How about that? Put the cards in the offering plate, says Sean. <laughs> John 10. Um, this uh, past summer had something happen tragically. I've owned a mower, a little Toro push mower for about 20 years. Bought it back in Montana. It was my first you know, mower as a man that I bought on my own. It was so glorious and mowed my little tiny lot. And uh, thing has just worked like a dream. Um, it's 20 years old, so it wheezes a bit more, blows a little smoke now and everything. But um, I started to notice, actually one day I was pushing, and I was, I, I was like really pushing and sweating. And, like, and I'm like, man, I know I'm getting older, but this is, something's wrong. And uh, what I found out was the transmissions, there's a gear that hooks up to the wheel of the mower, and it's completely ground out, like it's just kind of, I could go on pavement and it'd be fine, but it wouldn't go full speed, but put it on the grass and it doesn't go anywhere. And uh, that ought not to be. Um, I don't want to push that thing. Um, so my mower is just sadly, the engine runs, the blade goes, but the, uh, the wheel spins. It, it doesn't engage, right? So this is a picture of a gear that's been stripped. That gear is not going to work. It doesn't have teeth that lock into the teeth of another gear that give it traction and engage and drive whatever it's supposed to drive. It, it won't engage anymore. And uh, I, I know I can probably fix my mower, but uh, we're going to be talking about this idea of engage over the next three, four weeks, actually, four-week sermon series. And uh, this series comes out of a number of conversations this, the ministry staff have been having over this past year, and some of them actually with the elder board as well, as we're just talking through where are we as a culture nationally, locally, and where is the church nationally and locally, even here at Freshwater. And, and so we, we've kind of come up with these things and even more, um, had more focus on the conversations about what this series should be like and what should we address um, over the last four or five weeks. Um, so when I speak, and as I'm speaking, a lot of the stuff I'm going to say is going to be coming out of those conversations uh, from, from the staff as well. So um, if it's really bad, it's their fault. So just, just kidding. Just kidding. Um, so we're going to look at this, this topic today is engaging in life or engage in life. And John chapter 10 says this. It says, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. We're going to look at this idea of life. Christ came to give us life, and not just life, he gives an adjective, abundant life, or life abundantly. My question to you is, do, do you have life? How do you know you have life? What does that look like? Now, obviously, outside of 
the church, there's a, outside of following Christ, there's a lack of life. I read, but what's happening in the church is interesting. There, there's, there's a trend that's been going on, and I wrote about it in our Need to Know a few weeks back. I don't know if you read that or not or saw that, but uh, what we're seeing is a national shift happening uh, among Christians, healthy Christians, like uh, those who would call themselves devoted and they've shifted their engagement in church to giving the church three to four face appearances in a month. Now, a face appearance could count for a Sunday morning like right now. It could count for a small group in the evening. It could count for a ministry not a part of Sunday morning at all. Any one of those three or four, whatever you want to count, is a face appearance. So they'll give three to four in a month. That's it. It's a shift that's happened. And, and pastors, churches are calling other churches saying, hey guys, are you seeing the shift that we're seeing? Do you guys know anything about it? And so it's become a thing. Like it's on such a large scale. It's, it's a national thing that we're seeing, a trend that we're seeing in healthy churches. And one of the themes that's emerged as, as leaders are talking and comparing and uh, trying to pray through this and figure this out is there is a consistent theme of our people are exhausted. Now, it's not the only thing that's going on, but it's a large enough one that all these leaders are talking about it and saying, there's a piece of this where we've got to start addressing this exhaustion piece. It's getting out of control. People are exhausted, so they come less often which I think is kind of ironic. It's kind of like a tragic, it's not a funny irony, it's just a bad irony. Here we are in one of the wealthiest nations in the world. If you sit in this room, you are in the wealthiest 10% in the world, and maybe even higher. If you get an income that's above 60 to 70,000, you are now talking about the wealthiest 5%. If you go even higher than that, it gets lower. So we have wealthness. Now I realize the cost of living is, is way high, so it does cost more here, but we're wealthy. And the irony is, is our wealth provides us with a house, with a, a covered house, with air conditioning, with a sealed house, um, with a car, a relatively nice car, and so we don't have to drive to work. We get water in our house. We don't even have to go get our water. Uh, we can go to the grocery store and we can get actually healthy food. I mean, you, you look at all the comforts that should comfort us and provide for us and make our life easier, and yet we're exhausted, like really bad exhausted. It's like all the wealth hasn't done anything for the life that we really need. We're exhausted. And there's this reality, I, I think, for all of us. It's, it's kind of the thing we say, how are you doing? Oh, I'm busy. I mean, I say it. Oh, man, I'm slammed. And it's a cultural value to be busy. It's a cultural value to justify your existence by booking it up, working hard. And I don't know about you, but we're so jam-packed. Uh, you ever have this self-conversation? You're going up to somebody, and you're just like, oh, no, they're going to ask me something. Please don't ask me anything else. Don't, don't ask me to do it. Don't ask me to do that, to volunteer for that, to give to this. 
I can't keep doing this. Have you ever said that to yourself? I can't keep doing this. I can't keep doing it. Yeah, that's not good. We're always going. We're always pushing. Always checking our phone, checking Instagram, right? Checking Snapchat, checking Facebook, checking our texts, checking our calendar, checking the news. Check, 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 right? If it's the first thing we do is get up in the morning and look at our phone, it's the last thing we do at night is looking at our phone. In fact, many of us maybe even fall asleep with our phone like this in our hand and it drops off on the side of the right. What puts us to bed is our phones. What wakes us up is our phones. And we're in our phones all the time. Because we got to, right? We got to keep going. On our computers, on our phones, it's it's the tablets, whatever. There's a company, this is interesting, there's companies in Europe right now that are beginning to shut down their servers at the close of the workday. And they won't let their employees access any of the documents, any of their work files, until the next morning, 7.30 or 8 o'clock in the morning. Because they're seeing that their employees are fried, completely exhausted, and the company feels a moral obligation to protect their employees. Isn't that interesting? And Jesus says, I have come that you might have life, life abundantly. This idea of life, if you read through the book of John, it's a big deal. Like, you can do the word search of life in John. And John, it's one of these big themes of his, as he traces the life of Christ, is bringing that out, is this topic of life happens over and over and over again. So when Jesus says, I am the life, it's, it's big, and he's already talked about it a lot. And it's not life as in like, oh, heaven, eternal life. Yeah, I can't wait for that. I can't wait to go to heaven. Yeah, that's great. It, it's life. That, it can be that, and it's a piece of that, but it's, it's more than that. It's life now. I am the life, that, and, and I want you to have my life and have it abundantly. I want you to have that life now, not later today. So when you and I come in fried and exhausted, it was so funny, I was talking to somebody after the service, and they said, you know, my plan actually was to fall asleep during your message, because I was so tired. <laughs> and I thought, well, you know, whatever, that's great. But if, if you're exhausted, um, if you're run ragged near this breaking point, I'm telling you, this is not Christ's idea for your life, nor is it his life in you. When he said these things, I am the life, or when he says, I am the life, what did he mean? Well, first of all, I mean, John 1 starts off really clearly. He says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And, and he goes on, and he says, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made. In him was life. So physically, life came through him. He is life, meaning if you have breath, if an animal has breath, it came from, from Christ, from God. Spoke life. So he is the author of life. Physical life comes because of him. The second aspect, though, when he says, I am life, and I've come to give life and life abundantly, it is this idea 
it's bigger than just physical thing. It's this broader, broader scope of, how would you, you you would say it, not physical life, but um, I just lost my place. The essence, that was the word, the essence of life. It's, the, it's life, and it's the things that science can never answer. It's the questions that, li- that science can never bring up, nor give anyone direction on. What is the essence of life, of living? Spiritually, emotionally, mentally, relationally, what makes us most alive? And what Christ says is, I am life. I have come to give life, so if anything has life, if you find anything, it originates from him. He is life. Augustine once wrote, famous church father lived, I don't know, 1700 years ago. He says, our hearts are restless until they find a home in God. Life. What fulfills us emotionally? That's his life. What, what crosses our minds and our thoughts and, and we, get on this, we get on this train and we go down this track or this thought or this, this emotion or whatever and, and there's this rush or there's this buzz. That, that, that's Christ's life originating from him. You know, as you, we read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if you're new to the Bible, that, those four books give the history of Jesus and, and you read through those, you can see pretty clearly that he lived this thing out of needing life. See, he came to this earth and he limited the expression of his deity. So he he was still fully God, but he limited that. And in fact, he became, as a human being, dependent on God. And we see one of the first stories is right there, right before he starts to have his public ministry, he goes into the wilderness to fast and pray. He's tempted by Satan. He, he's, he stands against Satan, resists it, but he's exhausted. And it says there that the Holy Spirit came to strengthen him, to give him what? Life. So here is this man, person like us, who, who knows what it means to need life. Because he had willingly restricted the expression of his deity. He knows what it means to need life, to be filled up, strengthened. But it didn't stop there. We read as you go through each one of those books that Jesus consistently spent time getting away and being just with God the Father and the Spirit. He referred to him being with the Father, talking with the Father. It was a pattern that he had of getting away. And you think about, if anyone in the history of history had an excuse to be busy, to to have the calendar booked, to be maxed out, it it would be Jesus, right? I mean, he wakes up and, well, i got to go save the world today. Yeah, it's kind of a big thing. Right? I mean, wakes up, people want to speak to him. People want healing. People want questions answered. People want directions, right? People want, 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 want. And, and, and he wakes up hearing that. Then he wakes up, people picking fights with him. And I mean, he's, he, every day he woke up having to run a kingdom. 
Man, you and I, we, we don't have a kingdom. Maybe a little fiefdom, a little, little tiny thing, cute little house, but the mower doesn't work. I mean, that's, right, think about that. He's got a kingdom to run, and this is what he does. And as, I don't know about you, but as I read this, he just was never in a rush. He just wasn't. He just wasn't in a rush. He didn't value being busy. Jesus just had this sense of pace, walking through life. He had crowds with him sometimes. He just would disappear. Like, where's Jesus? I, we don't know. He, he, I don't know. Last time we saw him, he was walking across the lake. Yeah. He just left groups of people. I'm out. See you later. It just wasn't a one-time thing. It was a pattern where he sought out life with the Father. To be with the Father was life. And not that that stopped when he wasn't in seclusion and in isolation or just getting away. But there was this pattern he had. And not only that, he wove this commandment of rest into his life. Now, I don't know if you've thought of it that way. That The command is this. It's, it's one of the biggies, right? It's one of the Ten Commandments over in Exodus chapter 20. And one of them says, you're going to set apart the seventh day for rest. Six days you're fine, work, seventh day, I want you to rest because that's what I did. And when you look at Christ's life, it's exactly what he did. He had a rhythm of keeping the Sabbath, of resting. You think about that, that's one of the coolest commands. Do you know God is commanding you right now to rest? And, and we, you know... For our country, for most of us, we've chosen Sunday as the day of rest. 24 hours of rest. It's a commandment. You better rest. Isn't that cool? How many feel guilty, like even stopping? Right? There's people in here, you've, you've got serious issues because you, you can't stop. What do you mean rest? I'll sleep when I'm dead. Who said that? Don't raise your hand. I don't want to see it. I don't need to know. But how many of us wrestle with just stop, take a deep breath, put it down? It's one of his commands. It's what brings life. It restores. And, and what happened as Israel's history unfolded, God said, on that day of rest, I want you to gather together, all of you, and I want you to worship me. And, and watch what happens when I do, because when you worship me, guess what's going to happen? I'm going to bring life. As you rest and focus on worship, I'm going to bring life. I'm going to restore your soul. I'm going to restore your heart. I'm going to restore your mind. Just watch. And the church, the church followed that command, 
kept that command, kept talking about that command and the importance of it, and also following the pattern that God had given Israel, say, hey, let's get together and worship on this Sabbath day. Let's worship Him. Gather together. We follow that same pattern because of the commandment. We follow that pattern of worship because he calls us to worship. And God keeps going on with this pattern that he's promised of bringing life to those who gather together and worship him. He modeled this way. So here's the piece of this thing. This, this time is bigger than just, oh, I got to do it. It's not about religion. It's not a, about a, a list of do's and don'ts. It's, it's a command, rest and gather to worship me. Like there's something that happens here that you can't replicate anywhere else. So if you listen to a podcast, a sermon podcast, that is not the same as being here. If you listen to worship music, it's not the same as being here. Now, does God meet us there? Heavens, yes. Can God use worship music? Yes. All the time I listen to sermons and I listen to worship music and God does something. But it's not the same as this. It's just not. I mean, we've even debated whether we should put services on video because people mistake that, that video and go, oh, if I watch the video, I've gone to church. No, you haven't. That's, that's, you missed the whole point. It brings church, and we want to do this and help those who can't make it, but it's not a substitute. There's something that God does here, and he's done historically, and he's commanded historically, gather, worship me. Encounter me. If you're too exhausted and too tired to come, if you're too booked up to come, if you're too overwhelmed to come, you will not solve your problem by staying home. You just won't. I am certain of it. And I'm sure right now you're like, man, I'm glad I was here today. To be honest, we will struggle to engage and get traction in life if we blow this off. It's just the way God's kingdom is. And we don't come out of tradition, and we don't come out of religion. We gather because he is the life, and he is the one who gives life and gives it abundantly. That's why he came. And if you're fried right now, if you're burned to a crisp, if you're hitting this wall and you're backing up and you're hitting it again and, and you can't figure it out, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now what God's going to say to you is stop. Stop. If you're over here going, I don't know how to stop it. I don't know how to stop it. I don't know how to stop it. You're in good company because a lot of people are saying the same thing. I don't know how to stop it. I don't know how to stop it. And what God is saying, stop. I'll help you. You just listen to me. Stop living to work. Stop living to buy. I mean, you can work in order to live, but don't live so I can work. Stop living to buy things. Stop living whatever. Stop living to impress. I, I don't know. I, I'm just telling you, these weekly moments here, when we gather together and worship him, this is the one thing that doesn't need to go from the calendar. Psalm 19 says this. He says, uh, your commandments, God, your law is perfect. 
It revives the soul. Isn't that interesting? His commandments, think of the Ten Commandments. Those Ten Commandments are perfect. They revive the soul. So this call to rest and worship Him in the rest is perfect. There's not a flaw in it. And it's one of the reasons why early on when, when I got here, um, we stopped printing the bulletin and the order of service. You guys, anybody remember back in the day when you'd go to a church and they would print the order of service? I remember as a kid, like, checking it going, I got that done, and I got that. And then when you, like, think you had one that was going to go really quick, and then somebody went forever on, you're like, come on, just get through it. And we stopped printing the, bo- the bulletin and the order of service because we realized we were gauging if we got through the service rather than if Christ got to us. Are we really in his presence? Are we really receiving life? That's the goal of this time. Like worshiping him, glorify him, obviously resting in him, that's the goal. But the byproduct of that is him ministering to us. And are we getting set up to worship him and let him move in creating that space? So what's our response? Well, some of you probably need to repent of, of breaking this command. Like, you're in full-on violation of this command. You do not rest. And it's, it's not just, oh, yeah, I get it, everybody does it. No, it's actually, it's actually evil. It's a law. It's a command. And if you're blowing through this, you're blowing through a command. Like, it's a deal. So you need to say, God, I'm sorry. I agree with you. I receive your forgiveness. Second thing you might want to do right after this is say, okay, God, what goes? Don't think you know what needs to go. Ask him. And don't make a decision today. You didn't get into this overnight, and you're probably not going to get out of it overnight. Start asking him what needs to go. What needs to change? Third, ask him, fill me with life. Fill me with life. Restore my soul that is so tired. Fourth, I don't know what this looks like, but for me, Jake said this. um, These are his words, and it just really hit me. Why is it that the world is the first to have this answer to it and is really actually the companies are being the ones that say, wait a minute, we've got to take care of our people. Why aren't they coming to the church? Why aren't they coming to the church to go, how did you guys figure this out? How come all your people are so rested? How come your people feel like they're just full of life? So look at your company, maybe. Look in your school. Look around where you have influence and go, this is nuts. Why don't you broker change? Why don't you come here and go, this isn't about a law. This is just dumb. We've got to protect our people from themselves. This bottom line for our company is not worth destroying our people. 
I don't know. Don't say that unless Jesus tells you to say that. Finally, um, I need help. Um, this culture over the last years has shifted a lot since when I first came to where we are right now. And our church has grown and expanded. And what we've seen is prayer in the beginning was a lot of corporate prayer together. We were a smaller church, and we prayed a lot together. And what we saw out of that time of prayer over and over again is those services, God's presence was unbelievable. And the breakthrough that was happening was all the time. There's just stories and stories and stories. And what has happened is prayer has gone out to community groups and gone out to service teams that are serving, and it's gone out to different places. So we're still praying. I still hear stories of, of so many of us praying, but we don't pray as a church that much because it's hard to get everybody together. And I've been really aware of that. But I need help, and we need help. Because what we want to see happen here, I, folks, there's a banquet Christ has set. And I feel like we're, we're only eating the hors d'oeuvres and then we get up and we walk out and we leave one of the best meals on the table. And so I need help because what I want to ask is, would you, and this is going to be hard, but would you give 15 minutes of your week, come here early on Sunday morning. I'll be praying up here. And would you come? Because what I want to see happen, I, I believe, and we've been hearing this, we actually, in a prayer meeting, someone said, someone got a word, and it was just, it resonated, like, we're all like, yeah. And they said, look, you, the, the proportion of life, the proportion of breakthrough is only going to be, con- or it's going to be directly connected to the amount of prayer as a church that we pray. And we're sensing that God wants to do more. We're sensing that, when, uh, that God wants to do more breakthrough, that God wants to bring life. So when people come on this campus, when they drive across that road, that's ours. We claim that. That's ours. I don't care what the city says. It's ours. And when they drive across that, they come on this campus. What they encounter is life. The living God. That fresh water, right? That brings life. And what we want is to, to hear more and more stories of people crossing that road, people coming on campus who don't know Christ, because this world is so exhausted and they're so burned out that they know when they encounter life. And when they come in here, they're going to go, what is this? Why is this going on inside of me? And that's what we want to pray for. And so I, I'm not going to be up here on a Sunday morning going, eh, they weren't there, they weren't there. I, it's not that. We need help. I need help. God has way more for us. So we'll just be praying through that. I'm going to invite Jake to come up um, and Jody. And uh, we're going to take some moments. We planned this into the service to take some time to just rest. To receive life. And just as they're playing through this song, it's, it's just a song, um, first service, I know it's going to be the same in the second service. It's just this, this, it's Christ's voice to us right now of just let me bring you life. Just slow down and let me fill you with life.